0: Well, our stage design sets it all. It says, who is Jesus? And the answer to that question we're looking at today, I believe, has the power to change your life forever. It is the most important thing you could ever know. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, so glad that you are with us today. Whether you are new or a regular attender, whether you're here in the room or joining us on video screen somewhere or online later, thank you so much for being our guest today. Does anyone know uh, what this is here? This is called a what? A cassette tape, Yes. For, for, for those of you 25 years and younger, this is how we used to listen to music, only you couldn't listen to it straight from the tape. You, there's no headphone jack on it. You don't hold it up to your ear. There's, there's nothing on there. Uh, you had to play it in what's called a tape deck in your car, or you had to use what we called a boombox. I get a witness for the boom box. Yes. So here's a picture of a boom box, or at least the one we all wanted but couldn't afford. More likely, we had this boom box here. This is the boom box we all could afford. Now back in the day we didn't have CDs with tracks you could skip to. We we definitely did not have, you know, streaming music on demand. We could not create playlists on our mobile devices. We didn't even have mobile devices. Well, we we did. If you did this with your boombox, it became a mobile device. <laughs> I'm giving some of y'all flashbacks right now. So so the old school way of making a a, a playlist was creating what's called a mixtape. A mixtape was a blank cassette tape that you would put in your boom box... You'd tune to your favorite radio station, you'd wait for your favorite song when you heard it, as quickly as you could, you'd press record on the tape player, and record the song from the radio onto your, onto your tape. You might miss the first few bars of your favorite song, but at least you had your favorite song on, on the tape. And the whole goal of a mixtape was to fill it up front and back, you'd both sides of the tape, front and back with your favorite songs or the ones that meant the most to you, uh, even in different styles and genres, and if you, had, if you got, you know, really serious, you might even make a make- mixtape for that special someone in your life, and you would write on it, the mixtape of our love. <laughs> Title track, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, <laughs> and you'd give it to them, and then a week later, you break up. That's what a mixtape was all about. So you're thinking, what does a mixtape have to do with church today? Absolutely nothing. I just want my kids to know how good they have it and to stop asking for a device with more space on it. Can I get a witness up in here? Just kidding, I do have a point. So so first off, the first way mixtape, you know, kind of matters to church today is two weeks from today, we are starting a brand new sermon series that will take us all the way through the month of May, and we're calling it Mixtape May. And the reason we're calling it Mixtape May is uh, every week will have its own unique feel and flavor to it. But every week's incredibly important. Uh, During that series, we're actually going to be releasing live on stage with our band uh, two brand new original Element Music songs, uh, which are incredible. They'll be on the new album that's coming out in in August. One of those songs, I truly do believe, is just truly anointed uh, by God. I can't wait for you to, to experience that. I'm also super excited about the first... First Sunday of that series. So two weeks from today, Sunday, May 6th, is our annual Compassion Sunday. Compassion Sunday is the one time a year where we highlight the global work of an organization called Compassion International. Uh, Their vision is to help release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And not only are we having Compassion Sunday, but on that Sunday, I am thrilled that we will have a guest speaker with us whose name is Wes Stafford. Now, Wes, there's a picture of Wes here, captures, I think, his his heart really well. Wes grew up on the mission field in Africa. After working 36 years for Compassion International, 20 of those years he was their president, he now travels the globe as literally a world-renowned, highly sought-after communicator. And the fact that we get to have Wes here on a Sunday is perhaps the greatest privilege we've seen in the history of our church. I cannot wait for him to be here and for you to get to, to hear from him. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So my wife and I, we, we met Wes uh, last year on a compassion trip to Columbia. He's one of the most kind caring, uh, compassionate, inspirational people I've ever met. Cannot wait for you to meet him and for you to hear from him that week. So that's that's the first way a mixtape has to do with today. The second way, and really more applicable to us today, is today, if you haven't noticed, it's going to be a lot different than normal, okay? We're kind of mixing some things up today. It's going to feel mixed up today. Normally, uh, we'd still be singing right now, so surprise, we're not, uh, I'm preaching, and so I'm, I'm going to preach first. We'd normally we would sing some more, I'd preach last. Today I'm going to preach first and then we're going to end the service with communion and with with worship, and even the message today is going to feel a lot different than it normally would. Like, I normally, if you know anything about me, I have a big question, a main scripture, and three points. There's no points today. There's no big question. There's no main scripture. I just want to share my heart with you today. So this is not how I'd normally preach. just feels like how I'm supposed to preach today, so I hope that's okay with you. If it's not, I apologize. This is how I'm preaching. So this is the fourth Sunday in a sermon series called, Who is Jesus? And if I were making a mixtape of the characteristics of Jesus, uh, this one uh, that we're looking at today would be the highlight of my tape. It would be the title track, that this characteristic is the most important one to me. And I have been so moved by preparing for this message and what we're learning today, I hope you will be moved as well. In this series, we've been walking through Psalm chapter 23. 23. Uh, so, if you brought your Bible, turn to Psalm 23. Uh, we're going to be there throughout the remainder of uh, our time. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, all of them will be on the screens, all the verses will. If you don't own a Bible, please uh, get one on your way out at guest services. We'll give you one uh, free of charge. Psalm 23, as we've been saying, is probably the most famous, most familiar chapter in all of the Bible. And in it, uh, King David, the same David that slayed Goliath, he gives us this beautiful description of our Lord, this beautiful description of. Of our Lord as a shepherd. And we started in Psalm 23, verse 1, which says this King David, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. John, then, or Jesus in John chapter 10, is recorded saying about himself something very similar. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And so we saw that Jesus is not just a shepherd, he is our good shepherd. And because he's good, he's also our guide, that Jesus is a guiding shepherd, that was week number two. So Psalm 23, verses two and three says this, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I said that week that that the guidance of Jesus is only as great as our willingness to go with him. That if I don't follow Jesus, I won't receive the benefits of him being my guide. And we all have a choice of whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. God, in his love and grace, gives us that choice. You don't have to follow Jesus. You don't. It is your choice. Now, I believe there are eternal ramifications to that choice if I choose not to believe and follow. But the choice is up to you. And I hope you understand as well. That God's love for you and our love for you here at Element Church does not uh, hinge on whether you choose to follow Jesus or not. That God loves you regardless. Now, there's eternal ramifications, I think, for your choice, but his love for us remains the same. And then just this last Sunday, a week ago, we saw that just because I go with Jesus does not mean things will always go well for me. That all of us at some point walk through the valley of the shadow of death, trusting Jesus as our guarding shepherd. That Jesus protects us, but we've got to understand how he guards us. That Jesus doesn't guard me from all pain and problems, he guards me from their power over me. And we saw in Psalm 23, verse 4, Says this, even when, not if, but when, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for, there's some reasons why we don't fear, you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, protect and comfort me. So we see the the protection of God in his presence, in his power, and in the peace that he gives us even in the valley of the shadow of death that leads us then to our final look at who Jesus is. So Jesus is our good shepherd, he's our guiding shepherd, he's our guarding shepherd, and I think the crowning characteristic of Jesus is this, Jesus is our gracious shepherd, amen? That he's a shepherd of grace. That he showers upon us undeserved, unearned kindness. That's what grace means. Undeserved or unearned kindness. Jesus showers that upon us. Now there's lots of things we could talk about when it comes to the grace of Jesus, right? Lots of things. Some of them are actually right here in Psalm 23. So Psalm 23, the first part of verse 5 says this about our shepherd. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. So think about that verse in connection to the previous two verses in this chapter. Think about that. That I might have just come through the valley of the shadow of death where I was attacked by my enemy. But even while it might have felt like, or even while it Feels like my life is falling apart, his love is still filling me up. That his presence and his love is literally a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That the grace of Jesus may not remove our enemy from us, but it reveals to us a feast in his presence, a feast of his love and of his grace. So we could talk about that, but that's not what I want to talk about today. The next part of verse twenty, uh, chapter twenty-five, uh, chapter twenty-three, verse five. Apologize. Says this: "You honor me by anointing my head with oil." What's that mean? Well, we could talk about how important oil was for the shepherd and the sheep. One of the biggest threats to sheep in the days of David and the days of Jesus. One of the biggest threats to sheep uh, were not wolves or lions or tigers or bears. Oh my! Uh, that was not the biggest threat. One of the biggest threats, one of the greatest enemies of sheep was this little bug called a nose fly. Now, a nose fly would swarm around the heads of the sheep and try to lay eggs on or in their nose. When you have a nose as big as mine, that becomes a problem. And so if, the, if they were successful, if they laid eggs on or in their nose, after a few days, those eggs would hatch. And lar- those larvae, those fly larvae, would work their way up the nasal cavity and embed themselves in the head of the sheep Causing severe pain, inflammation, uh, disease, and great discomfort. In fact, those bugs drove the sheep absolutely crazy. And when those bugs were in their head, for relief, a sheep would begin to beat their head against the trees and the rocks and the posts. They 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 would rub their head in the soil. They would thrash their head all around. And in severe cases, a sheep would even take its own life for relief from these stupid little bugs. So because of this, when nose flies uh, every season would start to appear and swarm around the the flock, it would send these sheep into a, a panic. Oftentimes, for hours or even days, they would not eat, they would not sleep, they would not care for their young by being so distracted from these nose flies around them. So what did a shepherd do? Well, a good shepherd in fly season anoints the head of the sheep with a fragrant oil. He would rub a fragrant oil all over their head. The flies hated the smell of the oil, so it kept the bugs, the flies, away while keeping the flock at peace. The same oil could also be used to help heal and clean up wounds they received or treat infection or disease. Now, that's pretty cool. We could talk about that. That's not what I want to talk about today. The next part of Psalm 23, 5 says this, my cup overflows with blessings. Blessings. What's that mean? Well, we could talk about how in ancient times a host, they, he, he would keep the, the cups of his guests full to let them know they were still welcome at the party or welcome in his home. So if, if, if the host wanted the company to still be there, he would keep their cup full. But once the host stopped refilling their cups, they knew that was a signal it was time for them to leave. I'm just saying, we might wanna bring that tradition back into this culture, because there are some people that don't know how to say goodbye or when to leave. I'm just saying, not any of you, but there's some people that are like that. However however when a host really enjoyed his company and wanted them to know they could stay as long as they wished he would fill their cup to overflowing even soaking the table beneath it as their invitation to stay so max lucado in his book called traveling light it's about psalm 23 said this have you noticed how wet your table is with god isn't that good So David, perhaps, was telling us that because our shepherd is gracious and because because our our cups have been filled to overflowing, we have been invited into the presence of Jesus for as long as we want to be there. We could about that. It's not what we want to talk about today. Psalm 23, now verse 6, the last verse, says this. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue, everyone say pursue, Pursue. will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that good? Now, we, we started this sermon series by referencing sheep and a sheep pen, and so we built a makeshift, makeshift sheep pen on the platform. It's a similar shape to what you would have found in the days of, of David and Jesus. The only difference is theirs were made out of stone, this one's made out of wood. So here's a picture we showed you before of what a sheep pen might have looked like in the time of David or the time of, of Jesus. Very similar U-shaped pen with an opening at at one end. Well while we were in Israel, which as you noticed through the series was highly impactful uh, for me, we were near the place where it's believed Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. And our tour guy was explaining to us how this supper, this last meal, would have went down, how they would have partaken in it. And we, typically, when we think of the last supper, we think of Leo, Leonardo da Vinci's painting, which we've got a picture of it here. So we typically think of the last supper with a, a straight table, Jesus in the center, the disciples all, all, off to his side on the right and the left. But Uh, To a Jewish person in the days of Jesus, they would not have eaten a meal that way. By the time of Jesus in the first century of Israel, Jewish people had adopted the Roman form, uh, the Roman practice of eating a meal, around a table called a triclinium. So here's a picture of a triclinium. It's a U-shaped table, very low to the ground. Typically, there would have been cushions or pillows all the way around the outside of it. The center was kept open so that the servants could serve and entertain the guests. And when our tour guide showed us a picture of a triclinium, you know what I immediately thought? That looks an awful lot like a sheep pen, a U-shaped thing with opening in in the center, And then he told us kind of the details of what we believe about how the last supper would have went down. And my mind was off to the races. And friends, I will never view communion the same way again. And I pray after today, you'll never view or partake of communion the same way again. Okay. So the triclinium, because it was low to the ground, you didn't sit down to eat, you laid down to eat. You would lay on your left side and you would eat with your right hand. You would keep your feet out to the outside so servants could wash your feet during the meal. The person on the inside of you, they, could, they, they were invited, they had permission, even were invited to, they were allowed to, to lean back on the person behind them for comfort and for, for rest. So you could lean on the person behind you. In this kind of setting with a triclinium table, the, the host never sat in the center of the table. The host always sat in the second chair, the chair of the host. The first chair, the chair to their right, was the position of the trusted friend. The third chair, the chair to their left, was where the host put the guest of honor at the meal. Then, continuing around the triclinium, the host would seat people in order of importance, with the last person being the lowest of importance or the, per, uh, the position of the servant or slave. So, if Jesus, our, our good, our guiding, our guarding, our gracious shepherd, if Jesus followed this same tradition, which there's no reason to believe he wouldn't have, then Jesus would not have been in the center of the table. He would have been in the second chair, the chair of the host. He was hosting the meal. So Jesus would have been here. John then, we know John would have been in the seat of the trusted friend, the first seat, the seat to the right of Jesus, because John, we are told in John 13, 23, leaned on the chest or reclined on the chest of Jesus during the meal. So John had to be to the right of Jesus to recline on them while they were leaning on their left side. We also believe we know where Peter was at the meal. We actually believe Peter was in the lowest position or the position of the servant over here. We we believe this because apparently, if you read scriptures, it appears that perhaps Peter was the last disciple that Jesus washed the feet of as he came around the table washing the disciples' feet. Feet on that evening. We also know, according to scripture, that while they were eating, Peter at one point motioned to John to ask Jesus a question. Well, if Peter is on his left side and John's on his left side, there's only about one person he could motion to with his eyes to ask Jesus a question. So it makes sense that Peter was in this position. Even more so, it makes sense that Peter was in the position of a servant because we call Peter the chief of the apostles or the highest apostle. Well, Jesus in his teaching said, anyone who wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Anyone who wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even I, he said, did not come to be served, but to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. So if Peter was the chief of the apostles, it makes sense that even at the Last Supper, Jesus would teach him, this is not about you, Peter, I'm putting you in the position of the servant, the lowest position. So who then did Jesus put in the seat of honor? We know John was in the seat of the trusted friend. We know Peter most likely was in the position of the servant. And at one point in the meal, Jesus actually said to the room, he said, one of you here will betray me. Now think about how Mind-blowing that would have been. These were the 12 men who lived with him for three years, seeing every miracle he did, walking with him everywhere he went. They were on the sea when he calmed it. They were there when he walked on it. And now one of them will betray him? So, of course, they all said, who's going to betray you, Lord? Peter, actually, that's when he motioned to John, asked Jesus who it will be. So John, we are told, was reclining on Jesus and asked Jesus, which one of us will betray you? And Jesus said, the one who shares the bowl with me at this meal is the one who will betray you. Well, if Jesus was in seat number two, there was only two positions that could share a bowl with him. We know it wasn't John. He was the trusted friend. So who did Jesus make the guest of honor at his last supper? Judas. His enemy. Think about this. That means that Jesus, our gracious shepherd, at his last supper, he actually lived out what we just read in Psalm 23, that you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. That Judas was not just the enemy of Jesus. He was the enemy of everyone in the room in that moment. He was about to go betray the one they loved. For a few silver coins. In fact, we know that at this meal, Satan entered into Judas and led him to do what he did. You anoint my head with oil. In that culture, when you wash someone's feet, you would not just use water, you would use fragrant oil. So as Jesus came to Peter to wash his feet, Peter said, you'll never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. So Peter said, then wash my hands and my head as well. I want to be anointed all over, Jesus. I want to belong to you. My cup overflows with blessings. I don't know if this was still a customary practice in this day, but I wonder, did Jesus overfill the cups of the disciples at that meal, literally telling them, you can be in my presence for as long as you want to be? Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Friends, that's literally what Jesus was doing for Judas the man who would betray him for a few silver coins, leading to his agonizing death on a cross, that Jesus, up to the very last moment, was pursuing his enemy. It's almost like he was saying to Judas, I still love you, Judas. I still love you. I'm putting you in the seat of honor. And you know what that reminds me of, church? Our gracious Jesus. It reminds me of me because I am Judas and you are Judas. That all of us, at some point in our life, we have betrayed our Lord. But Jesus, our gracious shepherd, through his death and resurrection, puts us in the seat of honor at his table that you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil so that I can belong to you. My cup overflows with blessings. Church, right now, I'm telling you, Jesus is filling up your cup to overflowing. He is saying, you are invited into my presence for as long as you want to be there. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And by putting my faith in him, I can live in the house of the Lord forever. Talk about gracious. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Here in a moment, we're going to receive communion together. We're going to worship our gracious Lord. That last supper that we just talked about, that's where Jesus instituted this thing. We call communion or the Lord's Supper. Judas actually would, would let, he left the room to go betray Jesus. And Jesus, after Judas was gone, took the bread, he broke it, gave it to the 11 remaining disciples, said, This is my body given for you. Whenever you eat this bread, remember me, your gracious shepherd. He took the cup of wine, passed it around the table, said, This cup is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, a new way. Whenever you drink this cup, do so to remember me, your gracious shepherd. Do we understand the significance of what's happening here? Like up until this point in history that we're talking about, like God commanded the Jewish people that they are to shed the blood Of an unblemished lamb for the sacrifice of their sins. And so every day, every year, over and over, they were shedding the blood of a lamb for their sacrifice. In fact, at this meal, the Last Supper, they didn't know it was the Last Supper. They didn't know it was the last one. It was just another one. They were actually celebrating the Passover meal at this time. Which was the highlight of the celebration of this sacrificial lamb. So, here at the pinnacle of celebration in these young men's, Jewish men's lives, Jesus in his Last Supper with them, he was telling these 11 young Jewish men, Hey, I know that I am the shepherd, but this shepherd has now become the Lamb of God. And I'm going to shed my own blood to take away your sins. I will shed my own blood. To put you in the seat of honor. That no matter who you are and no matter what you've done and no matter what you have believed, that if you believe in me, if you follow this new way, you'll be forgiven and you will be given a seat with me in heaven forever. That no longer will you need to shed the blood of a lamb for your sins. I, the good shepherd, have become the lamb that will die in your place. And remember, it wasn't just Judas who betrayed him. All 11 did. Peter, later that night, would say, Lord, I'll never deny you, never. And in a few short hours, to a teenage girl, he lied he ever even met Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was in agony, praying for his own life, the Bible tells us when the soldiers came to arrest him, every disciple ran away. So not just Judas, it was all of them. That's what communion reminds me of. I am Judas. You are Judas. And yet we have this gracious shepherd who died in our place to give us the seat of honor. That right now in this room, spiritually speaking, you are sitting to the left of Jesus in the seat of honor at the table for the meal. We are about to partake. Whoo! So the band's coming out right now. They're going to lead us in worship. We're going to receive communion along with this. You don't have to be a member to receive communion here at Element Church. We do ask, though, as the Bible directs, that you be in a right relationship with Jesus. If you are not currently following Jesus, you don't believe in him as your Savior, you can do that during communion. You can just simply... Pray a prayer like this that Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Lamb that died in my place. You died the death I deserve. And by your blood, I can be forgiven. So, Lord, would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you live in me? Would you live through me? Give me power to follow you. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'm going to do my best to love you back. You are my Savior. You can pray that prayer right during communion. No no better time than communion, my goodness, when we're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. If the tray comes to you and you don't want to take communion, that's fine too. You can pass it right along. We're going to sing a couple songs here. I hope that they mean even more to you after that message. I hope communion means more to you. I know it does to me. We're going to sing some songs about the feast prepared for us. A song called Belong to You, that the enemy can't take What I have, he can't change who I am, I belong to you. We're going to sing about the place we have with Jesus. That, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness has been bought with the precious, gracious blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing about the power of our shepherd. That there's no one higher, no one greater, no one stronger than our God. So I'm going to pray. As I pray, the ushers will come forward. As soon as I'm done praying, they'll pass the trays, and you respond in worship however you need to. If you want to kneel, then kneel. If you need to put your hands up, then do it. If you want to come to the front, so be it. However God leads you, leads you to, to worship, do that during this time. God, thank you so much for your grace. I am just so struck by that, that I am Judas, and we are Judas. And yet by your love and grace, you put us to your left in the seat of honor. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for being a good, guiding, guarding, and gracious shepherd. And in this time now, we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.